Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalm chapter 145, if you would please tonight. Psalm chapter 145. So thankful for our pastor and his leadership and uh, his grace and just the way that he cares and loves us and just for God's use in uh, our life and uh, look forward to having him back and appreciate the privilege to preach tonight, but there's no, no substitute for God's shepherd that he provides for Southwest Baptist Church. And so if you're here tonight and you're here for the very first time, please come back. We want you to hear um, our pastor. We want you to be a part of what God is doing through him each and every week. And so Psalm chapter 145, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's entitled David's Psalm of Praise. It's very interesting that the five previous um, psalms have to do with prayer. They're psalms of prayer. And, uh, and so the last five out of the collection of the psalms have to do with praising. And we've been challenged this year to pray and to pray in a very specific way. We have monthly prayer meetings, obviously, uh, praying for specific needs of the world, for specific uh, groups of people. And, uh, and so now, obviously, there's praise that comes as a result of prayer. And much, much prayer lends to much praise, if I can say it that way. And so David is kind of ending the Psalms and uh, kind of uh, really, it's an, it's an exuberation of uh, what David has been thinking about and meditating about God. And so listen to what he says. David says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. In other words, if we spend all the time that we could, it's incomprehensible. It's, it's unsearchable. There's no way that we could truly mine out how great and how wonderful that God truly is. Verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness." And shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, 
and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thy hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. My, what a song. <laughs> what, what a collection of thoughts and ideas and uh, perceptions about God, which is really the reality of God, the greatness and the might and the majesty and the wonder of God. I'd like to preach to you tonight a message entitled, Generations Generating Glory to God. Generations, right? Generations. Generating glory to God. And then this subtitle, you and I are responsible for the next generation. You, <laughs> me, we, we're responsible for the next generation. We are. Yeah. So what are you doing to help the next generation glorify and give honor and give praise to God? So, Father, thank you once again. God, we're so blessed and we're so privileged to be able to assemble tonight freely. We're so blessed and privileged, O oh God, to gather together with saints and with thy people and to take thy word and to hear from thee and to understand that thy Holy Spirit can speak and will speak and has something to say and has something to do in our life. I thank you, God, for the work that you've done in the past in our lives. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in the future. And Lord, I pray as we um, go through this psalm tonight, I pray, O oh Father, that we would have a renewed appreciation, O oh God, of the wonders and the greatness of God, the way in which you manifest yourself and the way in which you desire to be manifested in the lives of the lost and of the heathen and of those that do not know you yet. And Father, it's up to us. And it's this generation that's to declare thy wondrous works to the next generation. And so, Father, we're obligated tonight. And we're certainly blessed because of what's been given to us in the past, but we're obligated to the next generation. And so, Father, would you help us tonight? Would you be with our pastor tonight as he's away from us? And would you bless his meeting, bless the, the, uh, the work that's done there in Sioux City, Iowa, and may there be fruit that comes as a result of it. And certainly we praise you and thank you for what you're going to do here tonight. And we'll, we'll, we'll bless your name in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. With the exception of our sin nature, speaking of the, the carnal man that, that uh, resides within us, what we have knowledge of, we have learned from someone else. Now, really, if you really get down to it, my sin nature was passed down from Adam. So really, I've learned it from Adam, but you get what I'm saying here tonight. For most, 
that learning came from our parents. I'm indebted. I'm indebted to my dad. I'm indebted to my mom for the, the biblical instruction that was given, the biblical example that was given, the, the way in which they loved God and served God and passed those things down to me. We're, we, are, we are beneficiaries as children, as young people from our parents. For some, it came from grandparents. Thank God for every grandparent that, that invests in the lives of grandchildren, that teaches, that instructs, and, and that gives and passes on to that generation. For others, it could be a skill that was learned from a boss. Still some from a well-respected person. Maybe you learned uh, something that you uh, are doing today because you saw something in their life and you wanted to be around them and you wanted them to make investment in your life and so you spent time with them. Or in the modern age, it's YouTube. We've learned much from YouTube, hasn't we? Certainly. I enjoy woodworking and taking a piece of lumber and and uh, crafting it or trying to craft it into something that uh, is usable or profitable. I'm by no means a craftsman. I'm by no means a, a person that, that, can, that uh, has great ability here, but trying to, trying to work on that skill. That skill obviously comes from learning from others and watching others, hearing what to do, what not to do. What is a dado blade and what, what, how do you take a table saw and what, what do you do with these certain things and, and how, do you, how do you make sure that your measurements are correct? All of these things are learned and, and uh, watching a cut made or how to make a basic box or observing what the best tools might be. And recently I came across an article entitled, Where Have All the Carpenters Gone? Sparked my interest and and uh, obviously, uh, those that are, uh, have been uh, in construction business know and understand that, that there are certain skilled men in, uh, in the business, and there are men that are very gifted, and, and uh, men such as uh, men right out of our church that have made even this pulpit and, and uh, made uh, woodworking around the facility here. We're very thankful for the skill that they have, but you don't find that in every person. You don't find that in every, every place. And so uh, you, you would understand that there, are a, there is a great need for more men to come along, to take along with them and learn the trade and to be invested in. And so in short, uh, with many other things, this man came to this conclusion. He was uh, working with an older gentleman, man was about 70 years old, and he was struggling with trying to uh, pick something up. And this gentleman that wrote the article, he said, he said uh, where's somebody, you need somebody to help you with this. You need a young man to come alongside you and help you with this. And the, and the older man turned to him and said, there ain't any. There ain't any. In other words, I have skill and I have wisdom and I have learning and I have some things that I can pass on to the next generation, but there are none. Now, obviously, that, that can be the fault of both the craftsman and of the next generation because perhaps he's not searching out or looking for other men to invest in. That could be a possibility. But I would lean to this possibility that it's more this, that there are people that do not care about doing things that way. They do not care about humbling themselves, submitting themselves, or going through an apprenticeship or whatever the case may be, and they go about their own way, doing their own thing. And so what begins to happen is is the craftsman skill and the skills that have been passed on from generation to generation now are falling off the wayside. 
Some of that is because of technology. I grant you that. Some of that is just because of things are changing. I get that. I understand all of that. There will always be a need for craftsmen, though. There will always be a need for tradesmen. And so you and I understand this, that craftsmen produce craftsmen. Carpenters produce carpenters. Painters and drywallers help to produce painters and drywallers. I learned from a, a very good, skilled painter and drywaller, and I did that for many years. In fact, went through my time of Heartland Baptist Bible College. Never, never forget, Brother Copes, look at me in the face. I'm sitting in his office. Never forget what he said. He said, you, you mean to tell me that you're going to try to go through Heartland Baptist Bible College as a painter and as a drywaller? I said, yes, sir. I said, this is what God has taught me, and this is what God has given me. And by God's grace and by God's help, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. This is what I've learned, and this is what God has given me. God has, has equipped me this way, and this is the only thing I know to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And, and by God's grace, he did. Electricians produce electricians. Good mothers produce good moms. Good families produce good families. Godly parents produce godly parents, right? Uh, godly churches birth godly churches, right? There, there is a pattern that we're seeing here. We understand this in the, in the secular world. We understand it in the spiritual world that, that there has to be a truth that is passed down from one generation to the next generation. Knowledge has to be presented. Knowledge has to be given. Knowledge has to be received. All of that has to be taken by the next generation for it to continue on, for it to perpetuate. Jesus understood this. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, he invested in the lives of 12 men, didn't he? Took, took over three years and, and really he did this, poured, literally poured his life into 12 men. Uh, taught them everything that he could give them and tried to give them, in fact, more than really what they could handle and more than what they were willing to receive. But listen to me, they got it. Oh, yeah, they got it. I mean, the disciples, I mean, sure, at first they struggled and they had difficulties and they failed and they messed up and, and they did a lot of stupid stuff. I get that. But, but overall, they got it. Peter stood and preached and, and James and John, they did wonderful things. And, and all of these men went on to serve God in a great way. They gave their life to the Lord. In fact, many of them were martyred for the cause of Christ. They got it. You say, well, what did they do? Well, they took what Jesus gave them and they gave it to the next generation. And a church in Jerusalem was started and Jerusalem started other churches and, and other churches were started. And listen, we can go all the way back and we're here today. Listen, we are here tonight because truth was passed on from one person to another. Churches were started. Another church was started. And here we are today. Amen. Praise be to God for that. We might say it this way. When Jesus worked in the lives of the disciples, that he gave all of him to all of them. Would you let that sink in for just a second? Jesus took his life and gave all of him to all of them. Everything that he had and wanted to, to give to them, he took that and he passed it on to the next generation, to those disciples. All of him to all of them. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus inspired men to write down truth and to write down words. And because of Jeremiah and because of Isaiah, listen, guess what? You and I, uh, even thousands of years ago, you and I were able to take our Bible this morning and read from it and to hear the words, the, listen, the very words of God, because Jesus spoke to men and they wrote it down and another man wrote it down and they continued to write it down and carried it on from generation to generation. And here we have the Bible tonight. And in fact, we're preaching from it tonight. Why? 
because truth was passed on from one generation to another generation. History is recorded and history is rehearsed. Now, to the detriment of many, we don't learn from history, do we? Oftentimes. It's sad, isn't it? There's much from history that we can learn. We're, we just, we're coming through the book of Daniel and Daniel, listen, there's a lot of historical things about Daniel, but there's a lot of prophetical things about, about the book of Daniel. And we can learn from history and we can learn how God wants us to conduct things, how God wants us to react to, uh, to uh, wicked rulers, how God wants us to react to a culture that is contrary to the word of God. And so we can learn from history because history has been given and recorded and history can be rehearsed. And even today, listen, we are learning from these very things. Truth is given. Truth is received. Truth is appropriated into our life. And then truth is preserved, thus causing truth to be perpetuated. Okay, I want to I say that again. Truth is given. Truth is received. Then truth is appropriated. In other words, you take it in and you say, I need this. I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to use it. In other words, the campers this past week, they heard the preaching of the word of God and they saw the word of God manifested in the life of our pastor. That was so good seeing Pastor Miss Angie up there and watching them. And I, and I know exactly what they were doing there with the Sunday. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And I thought about how many, how many generations of students have come through and, and have seen that demonstrated. And you saw one generation showing another generation that doesn't maybe not know anything about marriage and they see this is how to do it. This this is how it's to be conducted. This is how life is to be, to be lived out. And so truth is given, truth is received, truth is appropriated. And then this, it also, truth is preserved. How do you and I know what to do? How do you and I know how to conduct life? How do you and I know how to live righteously? How do you and I know how to do things that would honor God and be a help to people? How do we know that? Do we just come up on it on our own? Or do we just try to, just, do we just try to say, okay, I'm just going to try to fumble and, and bumble my way through life? No, no, we, we do this. We take truth that's been given, that has worked, and we take truth and appropriate it into our life, and then it's perpetuated so that what we're doing today is what they were doing 2,000 years ago. And the way that God was working back then in the lives of the disciples is the way that it's supposed to be working today, and which I believe is, in our life to the next generation. We're taking truth and we're giving it and it's received, it's appropriated, and then it's perpetuated. Amen. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it works with a carpenter. That's how it works with an electrician. That's how it works with a dairyman. That's how it works with any trade or any person that you want to talk about. Somebody has to have truth, pass it on to the next generation so that they in turn can do the very same thing. And we are today because of faithful men and women of old. Do you enjoy Southwest Baptist Church? I do. Are you glad to be a member of Southwest Baptist Church? I am. Are you thankful to be able to come every week to Southwest Baptist Church? Yes. Well, you know how that happened? Well, obviously the Holy Spirit is, is the superintendent. Obviously God is in control and he, he's at work. But listen to me, the word of God has been preached and taught and received and appropriated and perpetuated so that you and I today are recipients of that very thing. And so we're bound, listen to me, we're bound by the past because of what's taken place and we're obligated to the next generation. You see that? We're bound by the past because this is what's been given to us. This is what's been handed to us. And we are obligated to the next generation 
Because I, listen, I want my family to be able to continue on long after I'm gone to be able to continue to come to meetings. I want my, I can't even believe that I'm saying this, my grandson, I have a grandson now. I want him to be able to come to future meetings and to be able to come to a youth conference. And Brother Seth may not even be on the scene then, but, but listen to me, I want him to be able to hear the Word of God. I want him to be able to receive the Word of God. I want him to be able to appropriate that same truth to his life so that the same God that I serve will be the same God that he serves. And the same way that God has worked in my life will be the same God that's working in his life. You realize Southwest Baptist Church is here today because a church on the north side of, of Oklahoma City desired and saw the need that people on the south side would be able to hear the gospel and have the word of God preached and thus a church was born as a result of that. So King David, we, we have here this psalm, King David understood the same principle. He understood this, that as believers, we are bound by the past and we're obligated to the future. As children of God, you and I are recipients of the faith from those that came before us. We have been handed something very, very special, very precious, in fact, we are indebted to them. We wouldn't even know the blessings of God. We wouldn't even know the benefits of Southwest Baptist Church had it not been for those that, that faithfully handled it, carried it, and passed it down to the next generation. We wouldn't even know what it's like had it not, been, had it not taken place the way that God intended it to. So we're indebted to them for passing it down, which has been life-changing, and thus we become obligated to those that come behind us. If we needed it, if we appreciate it, if we have benefited from it, if, listen, if we would have destroyed ourselves without God's work in our life, if we would have destroyed our life without the working of God in our life, then certainly the next generation needs that very same thing. Then it only makes sense that those, our children, our grandchildren, stand in desperate need to hear and to know. Well, what do they need? Well, number one, they need to see that God is to be rightly praised. Okay. We live in a world where man is praised. We live in a world where man is exalted. Man is lifted up. Uh, the psalmist said it this way. I will extol thee, my God. Now, that's not a word that you and I use all the time. I, I, didn't, I didn't tell my wife at lunch. She, had, she made a wonderful meal, by the way. And I didn't tell my wife at lunch today, I extol thee for the meal that you provided today. I didn't say that. But I did congratulate her for it. I was uh, uh, thankful for it. And so because of that, there was some extolling that took place, right? There was some lifting up. There was some honor that was given. There was some thanksgiving that was, that was presented there. And so David says, he says, I extol thee. The word simply means this, to raise, to lift up. It means to magnify, to exalt before others. David said, I extol thee. And then he says this, my God. He made it personal. He, he understood that, that God was at work in his life. He understood that God was presently active in his life. And so he wanted, he wanted others to know, and he's speaking to God, but we're, we're hearing his prayer. We're hearing his praise. We're hearing his thoughts here. I will extol thee. I'm going to lift thee up, O God, my King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. In other words, he, he had this mindset, I'm going to bless him daily. That was a daily part of his life. 
In other words, um, when David said that I will bless thee daily, in other words, he made God his focus. His thoughts every day were about God. His thoughts every day were upon God. His thoughts every day were, were this, God-directed or God-centered, we might say. He is the object of, of David's praise. It's very interesting. The word bless there actually means this. It means to bend the knee. When, when David says, I will bless thee, you know, um, oftentimes uh, people say, you know, well, bless the Lord or, or bless the Lord, oh, my soul. There's songs like that. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word actually means uh, to bend the knee to one. It means uh, to bow before. And so when I bless the Lord, what I'm doing is I'm attributing to him honor. I'm attributing to him praise. I'm attributing to him adoration. Okay. He says, I will bless thee. And so his greatness obviously is recognized. In verse number three, he says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. So David desired to do this, to lift up God, to exalt God, to magnify God. He desired to make God his focus. He desired to make God the object of his praise. He desired to do this, that, that everyone would know how great and wonderful that God was. And then in verses four through 12, he speaks of him. He gives, this, he gives all these different uh, verses here and all of these different things. He's speaking of his works and of his acts. Uh, we're not going to take time to read them because we've already done that. But, but David basically is doing this. David is recalling and rehearsing God's greatness. He's recalling and rehearsing it. In other words, he's saying this, what I know about God, I'm going to tell. Okay. Now listen to this thought here. Knowledge of the Lord is preserved largely through instruction. Knowledge of the Lord is preserved largely through instruction. Okay, let me ask you, how do we know about God? I'll never forget Brother Sam Davison saying this statement many years ago. He, he said this, uh, you know about your wife or about your woman this way only by what she tells you. Because as men, we can't figure them out. I mean, we, we don't know. We don't, we don't think like a woman. They don't think like us. And so the only way that we know about women is by what they tell us. And so it's necessary. It's good that you talk to your woman. You need to talk. You need to communicate because you're, you, the more you talk to her, the more you're going to learn about her, the better that that's going to help you. And that's going to help your marriage. And that's going to be beneficial to you. So talk to her. Okay. And so how do we know about God? Well, obviously, the Word of God, what God has revealed about Himself, what God desires to unfold, what God desires to make known, what God has decided to say, this is who I am, right? Now, we don't know everything about God. There's no way that a finite mind can know everything about an infinite God, about an eternal God, about a God that, that inhabits past and present and eternity, that is the Ancient of Days. There's no way that we could possibly, and that's why David says he's unsearchable. There's no way that we could comprehend everything about God. So how do we know about God? By what he tells us. So knowledge about God is given to us, is handed down to us from the word of God. So knowledge is largely passed down and preserved by what? By instruction. Well, that's exactly what we do. Isn't that what we do with our children? We sit down with our children and we say, okay, and we had family devotions. Both of, my, uh, both of our children went through and they'll, they'll tell you stories about long family devotions and three hours. Uh, no, it didn't happen, but, but listen to me. Family devotion, what were we doing? We were trying to instruct them about God. 
Teach them about the ways of God. Teach them to understand this is who God is and this is how God works and this is what God desires for your life and this is the way that God will, will work in your life if you'll receive him and accept him. Our daughter got saved as a result of our family devotions. And there were several times that she was under conviction and then she went back to her room. But then finally one day in August, I believe it was August the 29th, she called upon the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved as a result of family devotions. Knowledge of the Lord is passed down and preserved largely through instruction. You know about God by what you've been taught. You know about God by what you read in his word. You know about God by what he tells you through his Holy Spirit and how he communicates those things. So that's the knowledge of the Lord. But I don't want my children just to know and have knowledge about God. Right? I mean, if, if we're going to be godly parents and if we're going to invest in the next generation and, and if, the, if the next generation is going to carry on what we have been doing, then they must have more than just knowledge, right? So not only do we give knowledge, but listen to this, knowledge of the Lord is preserved largely through instruction, living faith, or we could say it this way, perpetuating faith, living faith is preserved through continual proclamation. How do we learn about God? We learn about God from his word. We learn from instruction, what, what God tells us. How, do, how else do we learn about God? Well, we learn about God by what he does, right? God not only instructs us and says, do this, do this, don't do this, uh, be here, do this. God gives us instruction. And so we learn about God through instruction, but we also learn about God by what he does, how he works in my life, how he worked in my parents' life, how he worked in my grandparents' life, how, how he's been at work in Southwest Baptist Church. And so we learn and listen, living faith is preserved by this, by proclamation by the things that keep going and keep happening over and over and over again. Well, what did, what did David do? Notice what he says in verse number five. David said, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And then notice what happens here. And men shall speak of the might of the terrible acts and I will declare thy greatness. Now, this, is a, this is a wonderful truth here. This is a wonderful thing that I, that I want us to see here and that I want us to get. So here's David. David says that I'm, I've been speaking about God. I've been proclaiming things about God. I've been declaring things about God. And in verse number five, after he says, I will speak. And then in verse number six, he says, and men shall speak. So David is proclaiming. David is given instruction. David is verbalizing the things of God. And then all of a sudden, because of what he's doing, others are participating in it as well. Can, can I demonstrate this for just a second? Can we do this for just a second? Uh, Garrett, would you come up here? Garrett, how old are you? 11. 11 years old. Okay, Garrett obviously knows some things about God. He's been given instruction. He's been given learning. And there are things that he knows about God. Now, if I were to say to him, uh, Garrett, I want you to take and I want you to go to the book of Zephaniah chapter number two. And I want you to preach a message on that right now. He'd probably say, uh-uh. But if I said to him, Garrett, does God love you? Sir? Oh, I'm fixing to talk to your dad if you don't answer me. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows that God loves him. Do you know that God died on the cross for your sins? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Do you know that God is willing to forgive any person that would call upon him? Yes, sir. 
Absolutely. He knows truth. There's things that he knows. All right. Brother Thrift, would you mind coming up here with me? Would, would you do that? Now, Brother Thrift, on the other hand, if I handed him the Bible and said, would you go to Zephaniah chapter 2? He'd probably say, okay, let's do it. Let's get up and let's go. Let's, let's go for it, right? And so he has knowledge that Garrett doesn't have. He has learning about God that Garrett doesn't have yet. He has instruction from God that Garrett doesn't have yet. And there are things that, that Garrett is still learning and still processing and still, still doing along the way. Okay, y'all stay right there for just a second. All right, let's see here. Yeah, would you come up here for just a second? How long have you been a member of Southwest Baptist Church? Um, since 99. So. Since 99. Yeah. So obviously there's a little bit of age difference between Garrett, Brother Thrift, and Javi, right? There are things that Javi knows that Garrett doesn't know yet. There are things that Javi's experienced that, that Garrett has not experienced yet. But again, there are things that Brother Thrift has gone through and experienced that he hasn't met yet. And he, has, he doesn't even understand the comprehension of it. And he's not even been there. Okay. Brother Stephen, would you come up here? Brother Stephen is on his way to the mission field and very soon, God willing, to the, to the Philippines. There are ways in which God has worked in his life that Javi hasn't experienced yet. Garrett hasn't experienced yet. And I could, I could say this humbly that Brother Thrift hasn't experienced yet because Stephen was raised on the mission field. There are things that he's learned and there's things that's happened. Stephen, would you come right here? And so what we have here, and you can turn and face these guys here, what we have here is a kind of a circle, right? It's very interesting that the word that is used here in this passage about, about the idea of, of God at work here in a generation. Now, when we use the word generation, oftentimes we think about this, the greatest generation, those that were born in 1900 to 1920, those that lived through the Great Depression and, and uh, great men and great women, and they, most of them fought in World War II, and most of them were uh, uh, parents of the baby boomers, so you have another generation there. Most of the time when we think about generation, we're thinking about this particular group or that particular group or this particular group of people during that age, and that's right. And we can use it that way. There's another way that you can use the word generation. The word generation also means this. It's a cycle of man's life. The root word is actually this. It's actually a circle. Now you're messing up my circle here. Okay. It's actually the root word for generation is actually a circle. It's very interesting because what happens is he teaches him Brother Thrift teaches all of them and the truth is being circu circulated right around these men. And so generation generations are teaching other generations and truth is being passed from one to the other. And then what happens when truth is passed from one generation to the other? Just like David said, David says, I praise God and I lifted up God and I magnified God. Well, listen, it's not just Brother Thrift that's praising God. It's not just Brother Thrift that's giving glory and honor and praise to God. But now Javi praises God. Stephen is praising God on the mission field. And Garrett, who knows where God's going to take him and what God's going to do with him. And all of this about the truths of God are circulated round and round and round and round. That's what's supposed to happen. But here's our thinking sometimes. Our thinking sometimes is this. Well, it's only this generation that's able to teach or that's able to give anything. 
Now, I'm glad and I'm thankful for everything that that generation knows. But listen to me. I really believe that what David is saying here, what he's trying to communicate in this passage, when he says in verse number four, one generation, that's all of us. We are a generation right now. We are here, all right? If you're alive and if you're breathing, you still have breath, you're here, you're a generation, you're part of this group. You are to be teaching and teaching each other so that what? So that the next generation that comes behind will have the same truth. We serve the same God and we have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same word of God. And so one generation, listen to me, David says, one generation shall teach and declare thy works to another generation. Amen. And we already got it that an electrician is going to produce other electricians. We already got it that a carpenter is going to produce another carpenter. And so if we're wanting to see a godly seed, then where are they going to learn how to be a godly seed? Right here. And it's going to take place when these men get together. And it's going to take place when, in discussions that they have about the Word of God. And examples and testimonies of faithfulness uh, that have been lived out uh, in their life. Just listen, even by His faithfulness, He's teaching even by the way in which he conducts himself in his marriage and in an older age in life, what is he doing? He's teaching. He's teaching one generation to the next generation. And what's Garrett doing? Garrett's sitting here learning. And he's saying, I don't know what that's all like, but one of these days I'm going to be a part of it. And I remember what he said. And I, I'm going to remember how he, how he treated Miss Pam. And, I, and I'm going to remember that, that Brother Copes is so blessed. And, and, and because of all that Brother Thrift had, Brother, Brother Copes is able to have a good wife. Why? Because one generation teaches another generation. Amen. Yeah, y'all can be seated. And so David goes on and he, he speaks of him. He recalls about the things of God. He declares the things of God. And so let me ask you this, this evening. What do you speak of most? What are you talking about? What are you declaring are you consumed with COVID? Are you consumed with China? Are you consumed with what's going on in the world? What, what is your thoughts about? What is your, what is your proclamation about? What are you teaching the next generation? What is your discussions about? Because what you're saying, listen to me, God teaches us by instruction and we learn about God because of that. And so I'm asking you the question as parents and as married people and, as, and whoever you might be as children of God, what you talk about is what others are going to learn about you and what they're going to learn about God or what they're not going to learn about God. So what are you talking about? What are you giving your time to? Who is the object of your praise? We can ask it this way. Is God seen in your life as he should be seen? It's a good question. That's a fair question to ask of us tonight. Is God seen in your life as he should be? Remember, David says, I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to extol him. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to bring him into the right perspective. Is God rightly seen in your life as he should be by others around you? So the next generation needs to see that God is rightly praised. They also need to understand this, that we need to show others, my generation, us, we, we need to show that it is about him. It's about him. I don't know if you caught it, but as I tried to read through the psalm, that David over and over and over and over again says, I will speak of thy power. I will speak of thy greatness. I will speak of thy dominion. I will speak of thy greatness. I will speak of thy power. In other words, David was directing and showing them it's all about him. 
Everything, it's all about him. Everything that we do and everything that we are. In fact, in verse number, in verse number 13, David says it this way, thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. In other words, David is simply saying this, God, your plans and your empire, it's all about you. Uh, God, your rule, in other words, your government, it's all about you. Everything that's happening, everything that's taking place in our world today, it's about him and it's for him. And then David understands and underscores this, that he is faithful to all. In verses 13 through 16, we're not going to take, take time to read everything here, but David understands that God has been faithful to him. Oh yeah, we could, we could go back and talk about the life of David and we could talk about how that God was with him when he fought a bear and we could talk about how that God was with him when he fought a lion and God was with him when he fought against Goliath and God was with him and God was faithful to him with the Amalekites and God was faithful to him with the Philistines and all of those nations that rose up against him. God was faithful in David's life in every situation and David knew it and David had to come to the conclusion, it's all about you, God. It's not even about the nation of Israel. It's not even about the kingdom. It's not even about my glory or my praise or my things. No, it's all about God. Amen. You know what the next generation needs to understand? We're living, we're living in a selfish culture. You know what the next generation needs to understand? It's all about him. You know why we come to Southwest Baptist Church? Not so that we can enjoy. And yes, we enjoy and we benefit and we are blessed by what takes place here. But what we do, it's all about him. Why we're singing, it's about him. I sure appreciated the song of our young people tonight and saying that we're to shine and we listen. It's all to be directed towards him. It's all to be given to him. It's his kingdom. It's his glory. It's his church. It's his Bible. It's his servant. Oh yeah, it's all about him. Next generation needs to get that. Your children need to get that. It's about him. Yeah but, yeah, but dad, you don't understand how bad things are right now. No, it's about him. It's not about you. Yeah, but brother David, you don't, you don't understand what's going on over here or going on over there. Yeah, I, I understand. God's, God's in control of all of it. And he is the ancient of days. And what he, what he allows to happen here, he's not surprised by and He's not taken back about it. It's all about him. Everything that takes place. Everything. And then lastly, they need to know that we are absolutely dependent upon him for all things. David says this, and I want to take some time here, but David says this in verses 14 through 21. Look at this. He says, the Lord upholdeth all that fall. Do you realize that you and I cannot make it without him? He upholdeth all those that fall. In other words, God sustains. He takes care. He, he takes hold of. I mean, every one of us can go back in our life and we can revisit times where God has, has upheld us, where he has sustained us and he's kept us and, he, and he's kept us by the power of God. Do you realize that, that we have everlasting life, but there's no way that you and I can keep it? There's no way, and I, there's no way in the world that I could keep myself saved, but God has given me an inheritance that's undefiled, that's incorruptible, and that fadeth not away. It is kept by him. God upholds me every single day. Oh, yeah. You know, we're going to have 1,300 and something students that are going to come next week. You know how we're going to do that? God's going to have to uphold us. God's going to have to help us. God's going to have to be with us. Uh, do you know, you know how a church is going to sustain through times like these? God's going to have to uphold us. Not only does, does he do that, but he says in verse number 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. You know what God does? Those that are humbled, God lifts up. 
He gives grace. I've, I've told people this over and over and over again. God's hand will always be there for you. It'll be this or it'll be this. You humble yourself, God will do what? He'll lift you up. Uh, but if you oppose God in pride, what's God going to do? He's going to stiff arm you. But God does this. He lifts those up that are bowed down. Sometimes it's this, the world stomps us down. Sometimes life stomps us down. Sometimes life puts us down, but God is there to lift us up. So thankful for that. So, so praise, praise be to God for that. He says also in verse number 15 that he supplies the eyes of all wait upon thee. You say, Brother David, I'm not too sure about that. God said it. The eyes of all wait upon thee. In other words, every good thing that, that is provided. Aren't you thankful that on August the 1st that we got a rain? Praise be to God. August the 1st, it's raining. Wake up on a Sunday morning, we're getting rain in August. And in Oklahoma, yeah. You know why? Because we are dependent upon him. Absolutely. He upholds, he raiseth up, he supplies. And then look at this, he's good to everyone. Oh, I love this. He says, thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. This morning, I, as, as many Sunday mornings, the children are walking out and, and they've got a Dr. Pepper in this hand or a Coke in this hand and, and chocolate in another hand. And they're trying, to, they're trying to hold what they have. And, you know, I always ask them, are you going to share that with me? Are you going to share that with your brother or sister? And, and, you know, there's only so much that we can handle. But the Bible says this, that the Lord opens his hand and supplies the desires of every living thing. I can give you a bag of, of M&Ms and a Dr. Pepper, and that's about all, if I open my hand, that's about all that I can give you. But God does this, God opens his hand, and you know what he does? He supplies the need of five and six and seven and eight and 10 and 15 year old young men. He supplies the need of, of young adults. He supplies the need of those that have been in ministry for a long time. He supplies the need of every living person. God, listen, God, God never runs out. God is never exhausted. God never, listen, his supply is always there. He opens his hand and supplies the need of every living thing. You can come up to me after the service and about all I got is a mint. I'll give it to you after I get one for me so that, you know, but, but God does this. God just keeps giving and 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 keeps giving. What do you need tonight? What, what kind of grace are you in need of? What kind of mercy are you in need of? What kind of, of forgiveness are you in need of? God's going to open his hand and he's going to give you whatever you need and he's going to satisfy you. Oh yeah. So he upholds, he raiseth up, he supplies, he is good to everyone. God's goodness is great goodness. Oh, yeah. He says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. God listens and he supplies. He hears and he helps. Listen, don't miss this. He listens, he hears, and he helps. All those that call upon him, all those that seek him, all those that come, come to him, God satisfies and supplies the need of everyone. And then he does this, he preserves. He says in verse number 19, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy you can't help but to read this psalm and just say, God is good. God is wonderful. 
God is magnificent. God is majestic. God is, is beyond my comprehension and my understanding. Listen, if every one of us truly understand how great and wonderful that, that God is, we would say, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you provide this for me? Why would you give me this? Why would you do this for me, God? You're so good. You've done so many good things for, for me. And the result of understanding who God is does this. Praise to God helps preserve the faith. Praise to God helps preserve the faith. As we sing, we praise God. You know what it does? It's preserving the faith. When we preach and we praise God through preaching, you know what it does? It's preserving the faith. When a parent sits down with a child and instructs them in the ways of God, you know what they're doing? They're doing this. They're praising God and it's helping preserve the faith. And so if God is good, which he is, if God is great, which he is, and if he's good to his creation in general, how much more is God to his own people? Now, you will not be able to see this picture, obviously, but in my phone, I have a picture of Brother Troy. Brother Troy has in his hand a piece of conduit, a piece of steel conduit. This conduit was up in our, up here in our top of our building here. You say, what's, this, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is it's melted. You know, electricity, melting, not a good thing for a building. You know what God does? He preserves. We wouldn't even be able to meet tonight had God not uh, brought to the attention of Brother Troy this very thing. God's good to us. We ought to praise him. God, listen, you say, well, I didn't even know that. Well, listen, God's doing all kinds of things that we don't know, but we ought to continue to praise him and give thanks to him and give glory to him and give honor to him and, and exalt him in every way that we possibly can. And so, so listen to me, because God is good and because God is good to his creation, we ought to, we ought to make his praises known to others. And God has done this. He has bound himself to those that trust him. He, he binds himself to us. And so if he is so good and so great and so gracious, then all flesh should know about him. And if all flesh should know about him, then all flesh should trust him. And if all flesh should trust him, then all flesh should praise him. Which is really the natural response and expected response to anything when we begin to think about how great that God is and how wonderful that God is, that we want to do this, that we want to praise God, that we want to have a youth night. You know why we have a youth night? Because one generation is supposed to declare the works of God to the next generation. Do you know why we have Patch and Pee Wee? So that one generation can, de can declare the works of God to the next generation. Do you know why we have a Bible college? Do you know why we're going to have Welcome Heartland Sunday? Do you know why we have Sunday school? Do you know why we have all of these things? One generation is supposed to declare the works of God to the next generation. You know what you're going to do this week as you work as a greeter or you work in food or you, or you help and serve in whatever capacity that you may do in the youth conference. You say, yeah, all I'm, all I'm going to do is fill a spot. No, you know what you're doing? You are declaring the works of God to the next generation. And you're, you're doing this. You're saying this is important. The word of God being preached to the next generation is important. I'm going to be in my place and I'm going to serve God and I'm going to do, do what God has called me to do. You're going to declare the works of God to the next generation. It's serious in what we're doing week after week after week. It's the generation principle. It's all of us to all of them. It's all of us to all of them. 
We are bound to the past. Remember, we are recipients of the grace and the mercies of God. We're bound to the past, but we are obligated to the future. Bound to the past because of what we have received and obligated to the next generation. So let me ask you a few questions. Are you praising the Lord? Are you extolling him? Do you make him known? Do you celebrate him to others? Do you bring God into focus so that others can properly see him? Are you praising him faithfully? Are you praising him enthusiastically? I can't read this psalm without saying David loved his God. And he wanted everyone to know about it. Do you praise him enthusiastically? And then these two questions. In whom are you investing? In whom are you investing? What child, what young person, what, what family are you taking alongside and trying to invest in the things of God so that they too can understand the greatness and the wonders of God? And then this question, in whom do you seek to be invested by? Because there's a lot, listen, there's a lot of those in this church right here that have wisdom and understanding and experience. And there's things that they know that I don't know. And I need to be seeking them out so that they can invest in me so that I can learn from them. You know why I know how to make certain cuts in wood? Because I've learned from somebody that knows how to do it. Do you know how I know not what to do when it comes to cutting wood? I've watched others that know and still have all their fingers. Or maybe somebody that's lost one and says, don't do that. And there are some great men of God and great women of God in this church that you and I need to be invested in by. And there are young people here that need to take some, that need to be invested in by others as well. It's a two-way street. One generation shall declare thy works to another generation. Listen to this quote and we'll close. Every generation shall contribute its chapter. And all the generations together shall compose a volume of matchless character. The question is, what will it sound like? Every generation is going to contribute and have a part. And together they're going to compose something about God. So the question is, what will it sound like? What will it look like? Will God be properly praised by this generation? Will, prop, will God be properly honored and glorified by this generation so that the next generation can do the very same thing? And so in what ways are you investing in the generation to come? So, Father, this evening as we bow before you, God, there's not one of us in this room that could not stop and, and give praise and glory to God for the work of a godly saint in their life that could not thank God for godly parents, that could not thank God for a godly Sunday school teacher, a godly pastor, a godly a member of the church that has been faithful to teach and instruct. Every one of us are recipients. Every one of us are bound, oh God, by the past. We have today truth because somebody else gave us truth. We're able to receive truth because somebody perpetuated it. 
And so God, I pray that we would not slack in our responsibility. In fact, every one of us are responsible for the next generation. We're responsible that they would hear and that they would know and that they would receive and that they would perpetuate the truth as well. And so God, may Southwest Baptist Church remain true and may we as families remain true and without compromise. May we as men, may we stand true and stand for that which is right and proclaim it to the next generation. God, help us. Help us as we enter into this week with the youth conference. What, a, what an important uh, task that we have. What a great responsibility that we have to this generation. God, help us, I pray. Give us, Lord, exactly what we need. Uphold us, carry us, strengthen us, and provide for us as only you can. And we praise you and we thank you and we adore you for it. And it's in your precious and holy name that we ask all things. Amen. As we stand and as we sing tonight, 481, search me, O God. Search me, O God. However God is dealing with you tonight, you come.